Welcome to the Top 5, where I discuss my top 5 takeaways from each week's NASCAR race. This week, Atlanta Motor Speedway. Hello and thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor and each week I take about 20 minutes to discuss my takeaways from this previous week's NASCAR race. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Number one. The obvious place to start is the redesign of Atlanta Motor Speedway. They took a big swing with the decision of how to redesign this track, and I think they hit a home run. Clint Boyer, after the race, said uh, it was a gutsy call. We had a racetrack that we all loved, but they made it better. So the redesign included much steeper banking, a double yellow line, basically making it a super speedway, a shorter super speedway. And that really made it tough for the crew chiefs. Obviously, it's your first time. Crew chiefs have a a tough call. But after practice, it became abundantly clear that they had two options. They could set their cars up to make better grip, or they could set their cars up uh, better grip but less speed, or they could set their cars up for more speed but less grip. Obviously, that's a driver preference, but I like those type of things. I like when strategy plays a massive role into the race, not only when the race is actually happening, but when the teams are setting up their cars for the race. But the the track was just absolutely exciting to watch. There were really only two grooves. They made it much narrower. It used to be 55 feet in the corners, and now it's only 40 And one driver said it felt like they were going 400 miles per hour because everything happened so quickly. But early on, it appeared, no matter how hard a group of drivers would try to make the the bottom line work, the the upper line, the upper groove was the one that was really, um, really working. Also, we had Jeff Gordon in the booth. I love what Fox is doing with having different uh, different commentators in the booth each week. I loved the team of Jeff Gordon, uh, Mike Joy, and Clint Boyer. So it was good to hear his voice again. Uh, and the social media response was overwhelming, not only for Gordon in the booth, but for the track. I jumped on Twitter uh, early on. And it was nothing but positive. There were a few naysayers, but overwhelmingly positive response. Which leads us to the next point, the beginning of the race. Number two. It was abundantly clear early that pushing was key. However, unlike at Talladega and Daytona, where four, five, six train of cars would lock onto each other and form a line it became very clear that only two cars could push and they couldn't really stay locked on. If three or even four cars got in the mix, they would kind of bump off each other and somebody's back end would get lifted and they'd spin. Uh, that happened early lap 24. Noah, uh, Noah Gresson spun. Uh, also early in the race, 
I guess I just kind of forgot that Chase Elliott was from uh, Georgia. He took the lead, and the place went nuts. You could hear it on TV. I haven't seen a reaction like that since Dale Jr. was racing. So that was kind of cool to see. I wouldn't consider myself a huge Chase Elliott fan, but I don't dislike him either. I think he's a great race car driver. Uh, just not my guy. Uh, the competition caution came out at lap 45, and that was a glimpse of what was to come. Cautions, I mean. Because these guys were pretty much wide open all the way around the track. And they were hitting each other nose to tail all the way around the track. And when that happens, it turns into a spill fest or a wreck fest, if you will. Which leads me to my third point. Number three. Third point is wrecks on wrecks on wrecks on wrecks. Kyle Busch uh, spun out Ty Dillon and then naturally acted like it was Ty Dillon's fault. Uh, and in his, he was being interviewed by his hauler, I don't know by which media, acting like a little baby. Asked if uh, he liked the new configuration. Nope. Uh, I forget. He was asked two or three questions and he just said nope to each one. That guy... Is such. I, I have this as a as a family friendly podcast, so I can't say the word that I want to say. But man, is he the worst? Uh, then Tyler Reddick cut a tire and took out uh, Larson, Logano, and Kurt Busch. That was a bummer. There were a lot of cars, good cars, that were caught up in things that they had nothing to do with. Uh, I heard somebody refer to Atlanta as Baby Daytona, and that Reddick was that Reddick wreck was the baby big one. Shortly thereafter, Stenthouse, not his fault. Tire goes down. Got Cendric and Harvick in the wreck, which was an issue all day. Goodyear Goodyear needs to do something about these tires. Uh, Seven to go in stage two. Stenthouse leading. Just lets out. Tire lets out. If Goodyear cannot figure out what to do with these tires and how they can make it through the races, it's going to be a long season. Because what I'm seeing is an exciting car, exciting racing, and then ruined because of tires going. However, one positive takeaway, and I guess... For the one person that's listened to all of these podcasts, I, I bring up the new car in every single one. So one positive takeaway about the new car is how durable it is. We saw Logano and Larson uh, and Bush uh, caught in racks, and they all were able to fix it and get back out on the track and compete. Mike Joy referred to that as, the racing looked like Daytona, but the cars looked like Martinsville, which I thought was pretty funny. And the racing did look like Daytona. In a a brief segment of racing, I saw Kurt Busch go from 35th to 10th, and then I saw Larson go from 1st to 15th. Uh, it was wild. If you got caught in the middle, like that's what happened to Logano, while leading, 
you were screwed. You were going way to the back. If you were in the back and there were two lines, you could bounce between the lines like Kurt Busch did and move way up. That was pretty interesting to see. Um, and then coming to the end of stage two, which Blaney won, good for him. Uh, Larson wrecked. Same thing. Another tire went and he smoked the wall. And like him or hate him, I'm not a big Larson guy myself. He is the best driver in our sport right now. So it's always a bummer when a guy like Larson uh, goes out. So my number four point is going to cover the end of the race, which was exciting. However, before we get there, let's check in with Mackenzie. Here's what's trending in NASCAR with Mackenzie. Welcome to Trending with Mackenzie, but it's also just fun facts and cool things. Before I tell you the answers to the questions from the last podcast, I want to tell you this positive story. Last Sunday's race, Bubba Wallace, NASCAR spun out and stopped by the infield. When he stopped, people started yelling bad things at him and telling him not to come back next fall. So Bubba Wallace just said, see you in July. I think that shows how Bubba Wallace didn't let them get him down and how he has a positive attitude. Now, here are the questions to the last podcast. Number one, how much do NASCAR tires cost? 400 per tire. Number two, NASCAR drivers, do NASCAR drivers lose weight during a race? They lose five to 10 pounds in sweat. And number three, how heavy is one NASCAR tire? 24 pounds. And here are the new questions for this week. Number one, per week, how much does it cost to own a NASCAR team? Number two, who won the NASCAR race in Atlanta Motor Speedway? And number three, how much do NASCAR spotters get paid? Answer these without looking it up. Bye. Great job, Mackenzie. I can't wait to hear the answers to those questions next week. Let's move on to our last or fourth point. Number four. So with this being a wreck fest, one thing that I noticed with 84 laps to go, so more than likely one pit stop left, uh, there had not been a single green flag pit stop. Maybe there were some uh, unscheduled, but the field had not been forced to make a green flag pit stop because there were so many cautions. There were 10 cars out of the race, which for as durable as this car is, um, seemed odd. But as the sun went down, and uh, the track cooled off a little, you could tell uh, the bottom line was coming alive, which made it really exciting. So we're coming down to the finish, side-by-side racing, lots of movement, not many lap cars, although Harrison Burton was a lap car, and this guy is so bad that he literally couldn't get out of the way as a lap car properly. He held up the inside line because he has no idea what he's doing on the track. Uh, so the race was getting the racing was getting more intense with 18 to go Eric Amarola gets spun. I feel like that's a a ongoing issue. So they restart when ongoing issue I mean with Eric Amarola. He's he's not having the best 2022, which is his last season. With a restart with I think it was 12 to go exciting racing 
Huge wreck coming to the finish. As we all know, William Byron won. In my opinion, this was the best race of the year. This was the most exciting race of the year. There were 46 lead changes. The negatives were the cautions. Goodyear correcting their tire would solve a lot of that. Some of it was just driver error. Uh, but it was it was very exciting. <clears throat> William Byron won two stages of this race. He was up front most of the day. Great win for him. Uh, of the five races this season, Hendrick has won three of them, Hendrick Motorsports, with three different drivers, which is insane. Good year for them. Uh, but Atlanta has moved to a must-visit track for me. It's pretty much at the top of my list. It used to be Bristol. Got there last year. It was incredible. Now I have to see a race at Atlanta. It looks awesome. They have uh, they have the All-Star Race confirmed for 2023, which will be awesome. Uh, and two notables that I had, two notable drivers where Suarez uh, had a great race, and he's really putting together a pretty good season. I'm kind of pumped to see that race team uh, doing well. I think he's been in some, Suarez has been in some lesser equipment, and it's good to see him in good equipment and what how he can handle a car uh, when it's a, a good car, good handling, good driving. And the other one was Bubba Wallace. If you're a NASCAR fan and you don't like Bubba Wallace, you are a sheep. You are unable to process independent thought and you just follow the masses. And if it seems like I'm coming down hard or insulting, that's meant to be. I've watched Bubba drive his tail off the last few races. He got hit from behind uh, on the last lap and then recovered and was wrecked going across the uh the finish line i don't know many drivers that could have got almost dumped on the back stretch to be in the top five on the front stretch and then dumped crossing the finish line and i saw he tweeted that the fans in the infield he bubba wallace said that was the hardest hit he's ever had in in any car he got smoked uh so he's trying to recover from being hit. Thankfully, he's fine. And the fans in the infield were yelling racial slurs at him and telling him not to come back to Atlanta. What garbage that is. It drives me crazy, these NASCAR fans, that what do you gain from this? What, what's the end game here? Just to set the sport that we love back? It's pointless. It's stupid. And it drives me crazy. You want to yell at someone? There's a, a absolute uh, absolute bad guy in our sport who's a great driver, Kyle Busch. Yell at him. He deserves it at least. He puts himself in the position to, uh, to have the criticism by the way that he acts. So that will conclude my rant on idiot NASCAR fans. And my last point will involve looking forward to next week. Number five. Oh, next week, CODA, Circuits of the America. 
In my opinion, this is the most boring race of the year. Uh, the track is 3.5 miles. It's way too large. And I like road courses. I, I love what they did with the Charlotte Roval. I love Walk Watkins Glen and Sonoma. But Coda is too big. It's too boring. I'll be honest, it's going to be hard to come up with five takeaways from next week's race. Because I don't even know if I'll be able to sit through the whole thing. I'll be so bored. But I will do my best to go into it with an open mind. And uh, maybe I'll be wrong. And I thought the clash at the Coliseum was going to be awful because it was too short, too small. I end up loving it. So we'll see. And we really don't have a, uh, a real clear understanding of Coda as last year it was raining. I don't know uh, what NASCAR is going to do if they intend to run in the rain like they did last year uh, with rain tires. It will be interesting being the new car, uh, first time on a road course. So that will be interesting to see. Um, but yeah, I, I'm, not, I'm not going into this race excited. But we'll see. See what it brings us. If NASCAR or if Goodyear has not corrected their tire issue, uh, I think we're going to see a lot of cars spinning out going into that first hairpin left turn. Uh, so hopefully that's something that's been corrected. Uh, my prediction of who's going to win is Chase Elliott. It's a road course. If you're not betting on Chase Elliott on road courses, you, you just hate money. So I will talk to you guys again after that race. I want to thank you so much for tuning in, hearing my thoughts, and I'd love to hear yours. Give me some feedback. Send me an email, connorbruin at gmail.com. That's C-O-N-O-R, B as in boy, R-U-E-N, at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with me? Disagree with me? Let's have a conversation about NASCAR. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Connor, and this has been my top five.